Welcome to Status Check with Spivey, where we talk about life, law school, law school admissions, a little bit of everything. We're going to hit on a different sort of angle today, which is how to get a job out of or during law school. Presumably, 99.999% of people listening to this, that's why you're going to law school is to get a job, whether it's in the legal arena, business arena, government, private sector, nonprofit sector, etc. There are a small number of people that go to law school, usually people who have retired just for the sake of learning the law. If that's you, you don't have to listen to this podcast. As a little bit of context, I haven't just done admissions. I was a dean of career services during the Great Recession when basically no law firms, very few employers were hiring. We were, I believe, the only law school in the nation. I was at Wash U at the time. We increased our number of firms who recruited by like 100, I think it was 129 was the exact number. We brought in 129 new employers, including like the CIA, Cravath, during the Great Recession. The way we did it is kind of the way you would do it. So what I'm about to tell you, I guess I'll immodestly say, would all but guarantee you a job, and I'll explain why. But the big reason is because 90% of people who listen to this, 95, aren't going to do what I say because it's the harder path. The easy path, the wrong path, is to launch a thousand emails scattering into the winds at night, attached as my resume, please contact me if you're interested. Hundreds of hiring partners' offices, these emails pop in every five seconds, they just hit delete, delete, delete. They'll generally skim the email introduction to see how concise it is. You want like a paragraph at most. So that's point number one. Busy lawyers, particularly Big Law, my friends at Big Law, their text message to me are like THX, exclamation point. So busy people send very terse sounding, but it's just concise professional emails. So what you would do instead is you would say, instead of saying, contact me if you're interested, you would say, you know, I've always been interested in your firm for this reason. Please find my attached resume. I will contact you in five business days. That makes you sound like a professional. That's again, how they talk in that world, to see if we could have a five-minute brief conversation just so I could introduce myself and express my interest. Don't overhype your skills. Don't overhype your qualifications. If you think about it, what you bring as a new hire is basically energy and enthusiasm and open-mindedness. So when people send these long emails, I won this and I did this and whatever, yeah, that's in your resume and that's good, but it almost can hurt more than it can help if you go on too much about it. The big thing is contacting them because two things. One, hardly anyone, particularly in this day and age, is going to pick up the phone and call a hiring partner. And it's probably scary for you. I'm sure it was scary for me 30 years ago when I had to do stuff like this. But after the first two or three, when you realize the other person on the other line is a normal human, once you start realizing these are just normal people who aren't scary or rejecting you, they might be busy. So they might sound like they're blowing you off. This has nothing to do with you. It's a busy world. So you would send that email and then you would call five days later. The cool thing about that is if they see that line, they can't really delete your email and resume, which is what most hiring partners do, because they know you're going to be calling them. So they kind of need to hold on to it. And you've already made it past this huge bucket of deleted emails. This is a particularly important right now, heading into what looks like a recessive economy. And LSAC did no one any freaking favors two years ago by seemingly saying, okay, who cares about the data? We're going to protect the LSAT flex at all costs and say this test is normal and applicants and test scores are going to normalize. They kept saying that even when the data proved it was impossible, which is why it's either they can't look at basic math or they 
were having problems, perhaps being honest with the market to protect the LSAT flex. You had this huge 12% spike in enrollment. LSSC was telling pre-law advisors in law schools, we have these emails. I mean, they were saying everything's going to normalize. So law schools listened and over-enrolled. And now you have all these people in law school facing a recession without jobs. And I would put a lot of that on LSAC. Obviously not all of that. And maybe I'm wrong. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know the answer, which is another funny thing because LSAC never admits they're wrong. But that was a huge deal. So if you're in law school and you're listening to this, they didn't do you any favors, but that was a time more than ever to differentiate. So then you call and you introduce yourself. And the key to the call is A, again, being concise. The best line, I love it when people use this with me and I use it with busy professionals like college presidents is, I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for your time. I won't take up more than five minutes. Cravath has always been my number one firm. And my family's from New York City. I've read your bio and I've seen your career path. And that's exactly what I want to do. What can I do to stand out? Ask them a question. Lawyers love talking. What can I do to impress your firm, your hiring committee? I'll walk there if I need to. Say a memorable line. That line has worked for clients of mine. I'll fly there. I'd love to take you to coffee on me. They'll chuckle because it's always going to be on them. So that's number one. Reach out. Don't be passive. Be active. Don't ask to hear from them. That's from like the 1960s. Don't worry if your resume is one page or two pages. That's from the 1960s. In the 1950s, like, yeah, everyone had a one-page resume because there weren't a billion things you could be doing at the time. But now there are. No offense to someone who put together her resume in the 1950s. Number two, and this is just as important, I don't care what kind of mood you are. If you're feeling angry, down, sad, lonely, all of those are understandable, particularly if you're trying to get a job and you're failing. You have to fake it or believe it. And trust me, I did this when I was a dean of career services during the Great Recession, and I faked it so well to myself, I believed it. You have to be upbeat, positive, and ebullient. If you look at most people who have made it in this world, CEOs, managing partners, they're freaking upbeat and happy. People gravitate towards upbeat, happy people. So when you're talking to anyone with hiring potential, a faculty member, even if you've been wronged, the more upbeat and ebullient you can be, the more likely that person is going to say, I could see this person at my firm, I could see this person in my department, in my company, whatever. What does the Journal of Human Resources tell us in macro level studies? They will take you if you're relatable and likable, much more so than if you're qualified. That is study after study. It's also admissions. The people who get admitted off the wait list, particularly later on, are just likable people. Being likable is a weird thing to talk about. I would always recommend Dale Carnegie's seminal book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, which the shortest summary I could give of it is get people talking about themselves and they'll like you. So ask questions, try to visit, try to call them on the phone, be ebullient. And here's another little trick or key. Know the market. Okay, law schools teach a lot. What they don't teach is that life is sales. You're selling yourself to your partner. You're selling yourself to a book of clients when you're at a firm to build a firm. So you have to know the market. Who are their major clients? I love this one. Read the Wall Street Journal for two weeks before you talk to any hiring people. And if you can organically say, oh, yeah, I saw in the Wall Street Journal. Incidentally, I'm going to be in the Wall Street Journal, I think, next week. But don't say I saw Mike Spivey in the Wall Street Journal because I'll be talking about admissions, not employment. You know, I saw in the Wall Street Journal, blah, 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 market. What do you think about this? And then they'll start talking and then they'll start showing off their expertise. And at the end of the phone call, I like this person. So 
I like to keep these short. I don't want to go overboard, but I just wanted to give sort of three things, tactics, techniques that stand out that people aren't doing. Again, to the fine point, it's not sending a million things off into the middle of the night, cold, uninvited. It's calling people on the phone. It's sending emails that say, attaches my resume, but I will be in touch because this is how much I want this firm. My mentor, when he was in his, I think, 30, early 30s, after he interviewed to be the dean at Vanderbilt, he wrote a postcard thank you. And at the end of the postcard, it said, I want this job, exclamation point. Just little things like that that are positive and motivational differentiate you from the crowd. Let the Eeyores out there be sullen and down when they're talking to hiring people. You be a professional and upbeat and concise and stay after it. They're saying no. They're not saying no to you, I can assure you. They're saying no because of the market and they have a billion other things to do and they got just too many resumes. Don't let that bother you. Just keep at it and keep talking to people. If you keep talking to people, this has been my entire career and I love my career. If you keep talking to people, good things happen. This was Mike Spivey at the Spivey Consulting Group.